fellow travellers and welcome to podcast 134 in our series You Should Have Been There with me Simon Calder and me Mick Webb and this week's topic digital nomads. Who are they? What do they do? Are they a boon to society or a blot on the landscape? And what on earth is a slow mad? Well, we'll be seeking some answers, helped by this week's guest, Cleo Pascal, who is joining us from Alexandria, Virginia. Hello, Cleo. Now, I know that you're a journalist and an academic expert on Indo-Pacific issues, but Simon tells me that you're also all over the place, in a good way, as an original digital nomad. Uh, yes, so uh, all over the place, definitely, um, in, in uh, many different ways. Um, digital nomad, that's a complicated one. Um, I, think, I think I spend a lot of time being slow mad. Isn't that what you do when you're waiting in a queue for something to happen and it just doesn't happen over and over and over again? Well, it makes you feel mad. Uh, no, uh, Slowly. Yeah. Uh, no, it is a, it's, it's a, new, um, a, a newly minted uh, word, which um, I will tell you all about a bit later. But uh, <laughs> um, Simon, where are you at the moment? Well, I am joining in the nomadic lifestyle. I do actually know that uh, that Cleo was the original uh, digital nomad in the, um, not least, the circumstances in which we first met. But I'm here at Durham Railway Station, where I am connected to um, a well-known coffee outlets, Wi-Fi, and hoping for the best. Um, but before we get on to uh, the 21st century nomadic lifestyle, in the last couple of podcasts, we've been talking a lot about flying, its contribution to climate change, and also about the impact of loyalty point schemes on increasing the number of business flights. Yes, uh, old friend of the podcast, Rebecca, tweeted to say... Just calculated my carbon footprint, and despite taking three flights this year, mine is considerably less than average for the UK, or the world average, as I rarely go in a car and I'm quite frugal when it comes to consumption in general. But when we were talking to frequent flyer uh, guru Rob Burgess for our previous podcast, he mentioned the idea of mileage runs. And that's where a traveller flies somewhere purely for the loyalty benefits. And Cleo, I do believe that you did something of an Ontario shuttle a while back. It was a fabulous story. Can you remind <laughs> Thank me you. of it? Yes. So there was an airline in Canada that was offering a all-you-can-fly uh, fixed time pass. I think it was about two weeks or something like that. And it, you could just show up at the airport and take whatever flights you wanted and uh, do it. You didn't have to book in advance or anything. And um, so I wanted to see how many I could do in a, in a day. And you got frequent flyer points for it. And um, I, I knew I had hit, <laughs> hit it right when I was changing planes along with the crew because the crew was, you know, their time is tightly scheduled. So if I was following them to their next flight and then following off that flight to the next flight, it meant that, you know, I had cracked their secret efficiency system and uh, yeah, it worked. I did, and I got enough frequent flyer points going through Ontario and parts of Quebec to get, I think, two flights to the Maldives after that. I know it's a sin now, but at the time, I was very proud of it. Well, and of course, that um, they, that that was a bit of a loophole, which I fear has now been um, uh, closed. But um, hats off to you for making most of it. <laughs> and of course, you wouldn't do it now. But uh, um, now let's get on to digital nomadism. Is is that a term? 
clear? Well, it's definitely a term. So it's not, the, it was really interesting actually when, um, when Simon got in touch to talk about this, because I guess by the definition I would fit, but, it, but uh, the way that I've looked at it, it's very set, the digital part and the nomadic part are very separate. Uh, the way that I've looked at them and the, and the way that my nomadic life, I mean, I'm currently in the guest room of a very good friend uh, in Alexandria and I'm lucky enough to have very good friends all over the place now. And um, so I, I am quite nomadic and I, <laughs> I have sort of bags full of changes of clothes in a lot of people's basements for which I am uh, universally reviled. Um, but um, the digital part, has changed. What it was digitally at the beginning, what it is now is is completely different. Well, yes, we'll be going into that, I think, um, over the next uh, 20 minutes or so. But uh, there was something um, that Simon said I should ask you to tell us about, and that's, um, that's the circumstances in which the two of you met. Yes. Yeah, so during a, a very um, short period when I actually had uh, an apartment in, in London, I got a call um, Say if I could get to what airport was it, uh, Simon? Well, uh, well, do you mind if I go back just a tiny bit and and tell people the circumstances from my point of view? Okay, so there was a group of four of us, four pals, um, and we were all planning to go to Cuba. Um, and the idea was we get flights on um, uh, air tours. I think it was at the time, uh, you know, just cheap charter flights over there. Oddly, from Manchester because that's where it, um, uh, it, where the tickets were from, and we would um, uh, fly out to Cuba, spend a week going round, uh, having a fantastic time, and um, and then come back. Very sadly, on the day of the flight, um, one of the four was so ill that she couldn't go. So I immediately phoned up about the only person I thought might conceivably know of someone who uh, might be able to go at uh, such short notice, um, a, a friend of mine called Noah, and he, within about two minutes, and bear in mind, we didn't have, we didn't have um, emails or anything like that, the internet, within about two minutes, I got this call from somebody called Cleo Pascal, um, who was in London, and this was about four hours before a flight was due to go to from Manchester to Cuba. Is that, is, have I got that right? Yes, and that made sense. And then, yeah, so I got this call and um, I, sure, that sounds fun. Um, so um, <laughs> threw together whatever it could, got, got on a train and headed up to Manchester. The, the tricky thing was when, when I got to the airport, um, they thought I needed a visa. And I think by this time, Simon, you were on the plane, right? Yes. Um, so from my point of view, it was it was so so an emotional roller coaster. So somehow I've managed to get the name changed to your name on the ticket. So you bowled up, and then you checked in, and then they said incorrectly that you needed a visa, and we were sitting on board, the three of us, and we were close close to the door. And the door closed and we felt so glum and so sorry because you'd run all the way to Manchester and now you weren't going on going to Cuba. And we were you know, feeling really bad. Obviously, we couldn't phone you up on your mobile phone because they hadn't been invented yet. And um, we just thought, oh, well, that's so sad. We'll have to you know, call and write and stuff. And then suddenly the door opened again. 
unbelievable. We were all sat and ready to go. And, you know, you think you're all strapped in. And um, somehow, Cleo, you persuaded them. Not only did you not need a visa, which was correct, but that they better open the door now, please, and let you on. <laughs> I can't remember what I said, but I, I'm, I'm sure I was extremely polite and docile and, um, you know, very, very complimentary about their professional skills. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think I think I found you because you were applauding as I came down down the aisle to to look for you guys. Yeah, it's the only time I've ever had a plane door opened. Usually, when it's closed, that's it. Um, anyway, that was the trip at which I discovered that you were the practicing digital nomad. We're talking 1994 then, and you may well have started. Uh, before that but you amazed us you had an apple macbook i think almost before they were invented and you could write a story write an article and then fax it direct from your laptop via a very dodgy cuban phone line um which at the time was like going to the moon um we were so impressed so so i want to know and it's not something we've ever actually discussed how did all that come about how did you decide i'm going to be connected i'm going to be a free spirit just going where 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 the you know where the phone calls come in from and if they say go to cuba i'll go there right so it was there are two two separate paths so the travel path um, I was uh, very lucky to have a grandfather who um, who was European. I'm Canadian, but he had come uh, to Canada from uh, via Trinidad. He'd spent the war in Trinidad. He'd left Europe, spent the war in Trinidad, then came to Canada. And he thought that traveling was the most important thing a, a kid could do. And um, in my teens, um, at the kind of A level age um he gave me the money it wasn't a lot but to be able to backpack through europe but the moment that i guess that nomadic moment was during that trip i I remember vividly you you get a url pass and you could go wherever you wanted it was like that air pass later on and standing on a railway platform in uh paris and seeing that menu of destinations and you could just you could go anywhere yeah the digital part is separate the digital part is uh so i had i started with the commodore 64 then i went to a mac 512 (laughs) then i had the powerbook 170 which is probably what you remember um yes yeah and but that was a time when uh the digital world was a whole other world that you could explore um so i did a bit of programming very very basic literally basic um, uh, in a kind of what would be the equivalent of a level thing. But I can remember going on like a, on a family, uh, vacation at some point where we were in California and, um, and I went to the LA train station, I guess a lot of these stories have to do with train stations because there was a meeting of people that I had met on the bulletin board who were doing what at the time was called phone freaking, which is you kind of ad- adapt, a. What? Yeah, you'd adapt a, a Radio Shack had a, a digital a pad that replicated the noises that you would hear to to dial a phone. At that point, phone numbers were linked linked to the sounds like dee 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 dee, like that would be three, four, six, yeah. whatever. And yeah, and you could get one of these things that that they would then adjust, which would actually allow you to make free long distance calls. <laughs> So I and I'd heard about it, but I never. So I went and I and I met up with these guys, and they were 
all guys and they were all, you know, 14, 15, 16. I'm sure they're all billionaires now. Um, but it was at a time when you could manipulate the digital system. You know, you, you'd had email programs like Eudora. If anybody out there remembers Eudora, I've just stopped <laughs> using it about two months ago. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but now that now, now the digital system, you're not manipulating it, the digital world and moving in it. It is, it is manipulating you. And it is moving around in your head instead of you moving around in, on its turf. So uh, my relationship with the digital component has changed substantially. But you are still nomadic, aren't you, Cleo? And presumably you're still actually using the uh, this new te- this technology to actually do your work while you're while you're in uh, in um, different people's houses. Uh, well, yeah, I'm I, I'm right now. But the but the the digital thing has is created actually i think it's revalued uh person to person meetings so this is this one of the reasons i travel now is because i i do a lot of research and work in places like in the pacific islands for example where or in india india is another good example india is very technologically advanced very digitally savvy um but people also now know the whole kind of monitoring and manipulation component of the digital world. And so if you want to actually get people to feel comfortable about opening up and talking to you as a journalist, for example, you really need to do it in person. The other other thing about this, the nomad thing is it implies a kind of a rootlessness. Um, But what's happened over time, uh, as uh, indicated by uh, my imposing my luggage on people, is that I've just... um, I've, I've, I've created nodes of family and friends who are like family all over the world. And, uh, so it's more like going from, you know, from friend to friend to friend to friend rather than cutting myself off. Cleo, I reckon that most of the, the, the new generation of digital nomads, um, are probably, uh, not doing it in exactly the same way. I mean, they're doing it more like a kind of gap year or maybe, um, much longer than a gap year, and uh, it is a good way of uh, of seeing the world. I, I read um, uh, an account by, I, I think, a probably a typical young woman who's 28, and I found this on the BBC website, so it must be true. Uh, she, she's been to 78 countries while still managing to keep working as a freelance graphic designer, and um, I'm hoping to visit 100 before I'm 30, she says. And uh, this seems quite extraordinary to me. And then I looked into some of the figures, and it is claimed um, reports have uh, reported that, that, that there are now 10 million digital nomads in the USA, which is kind of up. 50% in a year uh, and all sorts of um, special visas have uh, now been created by I think I think it was 25 different countries I found um, which basically give you all kinds of um, tax concessions um, and indeed uh, even uh, um, I think in Argentina um, sort of free flights on Aerolíneas, the state airline and all kinds of, of um, uh, come-ons and um, and uh, carrots to try and get uh, digital nomads to come and um, bolster their workforce which is uh, quite a new thing isn't it? Uh, yeah I mean uh, so this is a this is a different thing I I believe in um, the importance of 
<laughs> this sounds very Westphalian, of the, na of the nation state. And, and what's, what is sort of developing are people who, who don't. And, and I also, in, in my case, I, I don't, the, I've been asked how many countries have you traveled to? I don't know, because it, that's not why I traveled. The reason I wanted to go to Maldives, for example, was because um, I was very interested in how countries with small populations function. And it has a at the time it had a population of about three hundred thousand people, a very different kind of structure. So I, I was going there not to check off a, a list, uh, but because I there was a, I had a specific question that as a journalist or I guess now researcher um, I, I I wanted to answer, and I knew that the coverage of those places. Ten, you know, you're getting coverage if some if there was war in a place or if they had nice beaches. But uh, except for the Independent, which was why I was so glad to be able to work for uh, Simon for a while, is you know that middle zone where you try to truly understand how those places operate, so that you know you get a better understanding of your own place and how to improve your own place. That often was um, is is not there. wasn't wasn't there. So that that kind of um, you know, checking things off a list for the sake of checking things off a list uh, for, for other people, I completely get it. For, for me, that was never why I did it. Um, in terms, Cleo, of the uh, locations that you find yourself in, um, where are the places where you really love to be a nomad and where do you loathe? And this, this, is, this is not, this is going to sound trite, uh, but it's, you know, where my friends are. I love being where my, you know, my friends are, people I haven't seen in a long time. Um, that or or catching up or 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 places where it's it's just completely unexpected something because it, that that means I'm learning something or I'm with uh, uh, people who I who I care about so that's um, not a destination that's um, that's an experience I mean that sounds really true <laughs> I had through a very odd series of circumstances I lectured at the um, National Defense College in Oman and wow. that was yeah and that was that that was amazing because I got to visit the country but I also got to meet a group of people in that country that I didn't I didn't know how an Omani military official um, thinks or how they view the world. And I learned an incredible amount. Um, so, so it's either, you know, nice to be with friends or learning a lot. Uh, the places, uh, I don't like are the places, uh, where the, the people for whatever reason, uh, just don't want you to be there or don't want to interact. Um, you know, they're either very, like a, a very touristy places have that, thick layer of people on top who are like sharks just swimming around looking for tourist chum in the water to latch onto and and devour um you know and it takes a long time to get past that layer down to just the way you know the way why that place is different than uh than other places uh, so those places, it just takes a lot of effort and I'm, you know, getting a little old and <laughs> tired and, and uh, yeah, those, those I tend to try to avoid. And in terms of connectivity and kit, do you take out a lot of stuff and um, have things got a lot easier over the years? Well, they've gotten easier if you don't mind um, 
you know, that you are the product now in the digital world. So all of these free apps and stuff, they're not, again, they're not free. They're what they're selling is access to either your data or your brain space. Um, so, you know, if you don't mind that, then, uh, it's easy. I, I do mind that. <laughs> so, uh, I end up traveling. I have a lot of kit. I have uh, two separate computers, which I do different things with. Um, I, hotspot off my phone. I, I don't do it. I don't use the, the public internet like uh, you're doing. If you did it, it's easier and cheaper, but I, yeah. I have, you know, I, I, I don't do that. But in terms of kind of the, the kit, and this is, I don't know if we have time for this, but there people who travel a lot, sometimes they always travel with something to make them feel a little bit at home. Uh, you know, so I know somebody, somebody who does a lot of humanitarian assistance and disaster response. He always brings incandescent light bulbs. He just likes the light to be the same where he is and he hates the LEDs. So, (laughs) so I don't know if you guys, do you guys have anything that when you travel, you just bring along to make you feel at home? Good Lord, I didn't realise. Uh, yeah, no, well, what do I take for comfort? I take earplugs with me, actually. Um, I, it's not that I wear them at home, but um, I do not like to be kept awake. I'm quite a light sleeper. And so I I find the earplugs or having them uh, is a comfort, even if I usually don't use them, don't need to use them or can't even find them. But I do know that um, if they are somewhere in my bag, it makes me um, it makes me feel happier when we turn up at some um, mountain refuge and see that there are forty other people who I'm going to be spending a probably extremely uncomfortable night with. But yeah, that's that's probably about it. Yeah, I I I I have a variation on that sound theme, which is I travel with a small USB powered fan. Ah, yeah, so that, which creates the the white noise, but it also creates a breeze. So if you're somewhere where there are mosquitoes or something like that, it'll keep the the mosquitoes off your head while you're while you're oh, sleeping. That is very clever. I might actually borrow that off you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Cleo. That uh, well, I mean, I'll borrow the idea. Don't worry, I will. <laughs> I will get my own fan. <laughs> well, if I get if I get to know you well enough, I'll leave a bag in your basement. <laughs> with an extra fan. <laughs> what, a, what a very good idea. But look, I, I wanted to just get on to um, this um, new wave of digital nomadism, which when you see it described, it looks rather different from uh, your own experience. And quite a lot of the people who are attracted to it are possibly less interested in Um, going to somewhere and finding out what it's like to live in that place and to do the sorts of jobs and live the kind of lives that those people live. I'm more interested in um, going and living in a cheaper uh, place, because let's face it, it is very expensive in uh, the UK, in Canada, in the United States, etc. now. Um, And also, um, they want to be able to do the job that basically is being paid for um, back at their home, which they're no longer at. And it is often suggested by um, detractors um, and uh, mean-minded people who are probably jealous, and that might well include me, um, that you know what they're doing is... Um, uh, very bad for the local economy. They turn up, they get all kinds of tax breaks, even if they're paying taxes back home. They're not paying it in the local um, place. They're, I suppose, encouraging uh, the opening of Airbnb 
um, flats where they can stay on long-term rents uh, and generally um, messing about with the uh, with the local economy, which hasn't endeared them to people in quite a few places. I, I know Barcelona, for example, um, uh, a lot of um, locals in Barcelona have um, have um, made public their um, dislike of uh, digital nomadism, and Spain has just uh, indeed just launched a. a, a, a digital nomads pass, which will attract lots more people of the kind that I've described. Is, is, that, a, is that a totally unfair characterization? No, no. And, it, you know, it, it's, look, you know, ever, ever since the colonial period where you had people from somewhere else showing up and uh, <laughs> ch- changing, changing the local environment rather substantially yeah. for, to, you know, there's been, uh, you know, completely legitimate complaints about, about what, what that does. Um, uh, and I, I think it, it, you know, there, there are things are, things are changing in that realm as well. So, uh, for example, I recently needed a a map for an article that I'm writing and, um, I asked a friend who does these sorts of things, uh, what, what to recommend. And they said, well, there's this online, um, I won't mention it because of, because of publicity issues, but, um, place where where you can go. Um, and you can put out the job, like I need a map designed in 48 hours and the people on this are, are from all over the world. So you can hire somebody from, uh, in this case, India to design the map. And so you're, you're as an, as an employer, uh, you are contributing to the local economy in a much more viable way and cutting out that, that that middleman. Um, now there are downsides to it. It's a competitive marketplace. And so people are going to try to outbid each other or underbid each other. Um, and that's also, and it's not a regular job. Uh, so they're not going to be getting, um, you know, benefits in, in any sense. Uh, but the, the point is that the entire work environment is in, in flux now. And, and I think that given some of the large geopolitical changes that may be coming down the line, um, we'll see what China does and all that, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm not sure things will be the same in five years as they are now. So um, I'm, I'm not that that's one area of um, uh, unfairness in the world that I'm not currently looking at. <laughs> If I could put it that way. No, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Although um, I should just mention that uh, uh, there are suggestions um, as to how the digital nomad might become a more um, more of a, um, a sort of locally responsible uh, nomad in whatever locality they happen to find themselves. Um, and that's and that's where this um, this term, which I promised I would uh, try and define. Um, or explain uh, at the beginning of the podcast, slow mad comes from. Um, And uh, the idea behind that is to, um, um, I suppose, apply the... uh, um, the principles of slow travel to your nomadic uh, existence. So actually not being over nomadic, i.e. spending enough time in a place to uh, get to know it um, and to, uh, you know, consume locally, uh, uh, you know, rather than eating uh, burgers at uh, international uh, uh, fast food outlets and, um, you know, that kind of thing, really, just um, trying to get to know the place that you're actually living and working in, which seems a perfectly reasonable thing 
to me anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And actually, um, that's, uh, Simon, that's how I ended up in the UK, basically, was um, there was a, a student working abroad visa program for uh, various countries, including Canada, where you could come to the UK and get a, a work visa for a couple of years. <laughs> and it was mostly, you know, for, to, for, to get uh, us nice uh, colonials to come work in your pubs and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but 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 it didn't the job wasn't restricted so um i that's how i ended up being able to legally work in the uk and do the sort of trips that you're talking about so again you know that that that's been around for a while yeah. um but th i guess the difference the, the difference with the digital component to it is uh you're not cut off from your place of origin as much as you used to be so when I came to the UK, I was in the UK. Um, and I'm very, very glad that when I started off in journalism, I, I, none of it was online in the way that it is now. It allows you to, uh, forces you to be where you actually physically are, first of all. And second of all, I don't want people to read all the terrible articles I wrote right when I was starting off. <laughs> you know, the, the, the past is a foreign country and I prefer most people <laughs> not visit it in my case. <laughs> oh my goodness but cleo we we love your words you've been um, uh, embellishing the pages and that was in the days of the independent when we actually had pages um uh, beautifully from all kinds of places including your your native city of montreal during the worst winter in history um anyway there's so much to think about there uh, cleo pascal thank you for joining us may your laptop never expire nor your internet connection get hacked um and of course we'd love to hear from our nomadic minded listeners too you can tweet us at you should have bt or leave us an audio message from wherever you are in the world at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there for now from me simon calder and uh, me mick webb goodbye goodbye oh thank you goodbye see you soon simon i've got some stuff in your basement i want to get mm -hmm.